Good evening, everybody. This is a big crowd for Wednesday night. Really happy you're all here. I uh, have already been told I can't blow this, so let me do my best at our, an introduction. <laughs> uh, we have a, a rare opportunity. Occasionally, uh, we have Dharma teachers and uh, monastics that travel through Chicagoland doing other teaching events. And occasionally, uh, based on the relationships of our monastic team, we occasionally get to uh, sneak them over to our neck of the woods for a night or two of some uh, kind of intimate Dharma teaching. And so this is one of those rare opportunities. Uh, and so I'm really grateful to be able to introduce uh, Bhante Samahita. Uh, he's originally from Denmark, uh, and he was a medical doctor and associate professor before ordaining as a bhikkhu. He currently resides in Sri Lanka, which I did notice the irony of the only white guy on the stage is in, living in Sri Lanka, but anyway, <laughs> pretty great. Um, he arrived in Sri Lanka in 2001 and has been ordained as a novice uh, Bikinu Training Center uh, on the 29th of January, 2002. Uh, and uh, he was fully ordained as a bikini, or as a bhikkhu, um, in the same place the 5th of July, 2003. Uh, he meditates mostly alone in a remote mountain forest hermitage, and he operates several online groups for spreading the teachings of the Dharma and maintains a website with a wealth of material on the Dharma and other, uh, Buddhist teachings. He's a regular contributor to Dharma Wheel, uh, the discussion forums for the early teachings of Buddhism, and so please help me welcome Bhante. Thank you for the welcome. It's really nice to come to America and see so many uh, Western Buddhists. So it seems that the Dhamma is flourishing here uh, much more than I anticipated. I had a website for many years, 10 years, and Every year, uh, America has been the, the largest uh, user group. Approximately 30% of the users come from USA. So uh, it's really happy to see that the Dhamma is flourishing here. Another funny thing is to that the place I live actually is where these two gentlemen come from. So we are taken to the other side of the planet, and then uh, we come from the same valley, basically. I come from this side, they come from the other side, but less than one or two kilometers from each other. So really nice to see so many good friends. Anyway, I'm going to speak about the four Brahma Viharas, uh, the four infinite states that uh, I myself has uh, practiced for a number of years. Uh, you probably all already know them. Uh, Brahma can mean uh, can mean various things. Can mean in most sense best and Vihara, like a temple. So it can mean the best states. It also has a, an epithet in Pali called Appamanna, which means infinite states. So it's some states one can dwell in like one dwells in a house or in a temple permanently. And if one does that uh, successfully, then one's uh, tendency to become angry and to become cruel and to become irritated, this fizzles off. And this is uh, then experienced as bliss, uh, uh, simply neither more nor less, because this uh, tendency to have grudge or to have opposition is what's eating up one's happiness from inside. We'll go through them all uh, systematically. I'll tell you a little bit about the cause and effect, because then one can uh, easily uh, induce them if one knows the cause. Uh, one can easily induce them when, when it is needed, 
that is together in situations where one is opposed by people that uh, speak untimely or timely to ones with, uh, with words that maybe not uh, that nice. Then one really had to say, ah, how do I, how do I induce friendliness? And so we'll go through loving kindness, metta first, and then uh, karuna, uh, compassion, and then mudita, mutual joy, and then equanimity, upekka, for the last, as the last thing. If we take first metta, uh, it has usually been translated loving kindness, but I think actually since the root word is mitta, just meaning friend, I think uh, the most accurate translation is something like friendliness or friendship even, but friendliness is, is probably the best translation. What is the cause for this to arise? Yes, the Buddha gave uh, two causes. One is that one thinks of one's best uh, friend, and then uh, immediately this warm feeling that arises from what's, it could be a childhood friend, it can be any friend one has very warm feeling for, this one should spread over uh, the entire planet, ideally. Why is it uh, why is it important to make it infinite? It's important because if you make the cause infinite, then you also make the effect infinite. And when one is making it not infinite, then it's usually so that you have meta towards a, spe a specific group of people that, for example, other Buddhists or your friends, but you don't have meta, you don't have friendliness towards another uh, particular group of people. If one makes it infinite, beaming out from one side in, in all directions, then one also get this infinite effect. I will typically, doing my own uh, training, then I will make it infinite uh, in space. This means I will start with this small group where we are here, then this town, Chicago, then uh, USA, then the globe, uh, then the solar system, and then infinitely out in cosmos. Then I'll make it infinite in time, so infinite into any uh, future. I'll make it infinite in intensity, uh, so infinite friendliness in this, towards infinite number of beings uh, out in, in the entire cosmos, and also towards an infinite kind of beings, that is to say, in the Buddhist sense, all beings at the 31 levels of existence. So this goes for also for insects, for ghosts, for hell beings, for all beings that are uh, living in the samsara. Uh, Doing this uh, gradual expansion, one cannot in the in the start practices just like this infiniteness. One has to kind of like uh, gradually expand it. Out, starting with these beings that are in this room, this I think most of us can handle, and then it, those who are in the city, those who are in USA, and then gradually scale it up. And then one will feel that this warm feeling uh, fills one's up from within, and one gets a much deeper and I think also more long-lasting eradication of this dosa, this hate, which has the derivatives of, for example, irritation, uh, opposition, anger, wrath, but even if you dilute it, also uh, mental states such as rigidity, stubbornness is basically also a derivative of hate, of dosa. And this will uh, gradually evaporate if one uh, do this practice. The other thing, one um, one trick one can use, let's say you are faced with some uh, circumstances where you cannot find any positive aspects to beam your friendliness towards. The, then there is, uh, regarding all beings, there is this aspect that they will all be enlightened one day. 
they have this tathagatagarpa, uh, inherent in their consciousness, is the ability to one day become enlightened, whether bird or insect or uh, uh, whatever, human being and higher being, they will all become enlightened. And this I usually use myself uh, to say, even though when there's war and when there's a conflict, then I will say to myself, yes, it can be now that these beings are engaging in this kind of conflict and irrational behavior, but still, these worthy beings still have the ability to become enlightened. And then I think it's easy to love them. It's easy to find something very positive and genuinely beautiful aspect in these beings also to beam your meta towards. So this one can use, this universal aspect one can use for, for all beings and then use this as a focus point for one's friendliness. So um, basically the course was sent to direct one's attention specifically towards the positive aspects of the beings. Uh, and this, uh, as I mentioned, the Tathagatagarpa, the Buddha nature in them, is one focus point one can use. But any positive aspect, their wisdom, their generosity, their physical beauty, their goodness, or whatever it might be. Then one also could think of one's Kalyanamitta, one's best friend. This is all that uh, The effect is, of course, that this tendency to be in opposition towards not only other beings, but other life circumstances than one like, this evaporate. And this one will go more smooth through life. And then the Buddha says, uh, furthermore, that defilements that are der derived from, uh, from hate, such as jealousy and envy, that also contain some uh, little bit hate, they will also evaporate. So one who is deliberately working at this uh, metta, that is the release of mind by friendliness, they will also be, be cleared of their other defilements, not only the defilement of hate, of dosa, but also other defilements, such as jealousy and envy. I'll just read out some small snippets. I think this is very sweet. Thus he, who both day and night takes delight in harmlessness, sharing love, with all that live, finds enmity with none. And that is to say, if uh, one's own attitude is that one tries to protect everybody else and love everybody else, then it's really, really difficult for other beings to uh, be hostile towards one. And it, uh, many times as a diver or in nature, also even when I'm Selanga, as soon as I will see animals, then I will say, ah, how beautiful you are. Also cobras or whatever it can be. And then the animals usually will approach you. So there's, there's instant recognition, I think, of this meta aspect uh, by animals and also other beings in general. So it works in general. So at the queue, at the supermarket, in the bank, uh, instead of being irritation, then very practically, uh, be meta towards those who, who are serving you or those who are in front of you. And then the whole attitude, the whole attitude of the entire queue and the entire uh, group of people will change because this, this uh, attitude of opposition or competition will evaporate during this, uh, this beaming of meta just from one's own heart. So it's kind of something that actually is almost infectious. May all creatures, all breathing things, all beings one and all, 
without any exception, experience good fortune only. May they not fall into any harm. Did he say? And this I can, when I stay in my my mountain hut and uh, surrounded by these animals, the deers, then I feel exactly the same. Very, very deep harmony. Some, that sometimes also the animal feels and expresses. And how does a bhikkhu abide with his mind imbued with friendliness, extending over all? Just as he would feel friendliness on seeing a dear and favorite person, exactly so does he extend this very same loving-kindness to all beings in all eight directions, one by one, and above, so below. So basically, when uh, one goes through, uh, Buddha recommend that one beams in eight direction, that is to say, I usually do in the frontal quadrant first, and then rotate it 45 degrees, and then rotate again, and then rotate again. And this means I get eight direction here, and then above, so below. So you get it beaming in 10 directions. And this the very same friendliness. The Buddha uh, then said that there was um, 10 or 11 advantages of, of doing this practice. And they are the following. One falls asleep in comfort, one wakes in comfort, and one dreams no evil dreams. One is liked and dear to all human beings, and one is liked and dear to all non-human beings. The deities, the devas, they uh, protect one. Fire, poison, and weapons cannot touch one. At the moment, one is in this friendliness. One's mind is easily concentrated, and the expression on one's face becomes serene. One dies unconfused and without panic, and if one penetrates no higher, then one is reborn in the Brahma world, that is to say, among a, devas, a high class of devas, from level 12 to uh, 22, on level of 31 levels of existence, who constantly abide in this friendliness and who lives for billions of years without even one single moment of enmity. So it's, um, it's something that you can use as if you cannot fall asleep. Uh, personally, I can report that uh, I will try to do six directions around uh, beam friendliness in six directions, infinite friendliness, and I will not succeed uh, doing all six. I'll fall asleep on number three. So it is really, 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 really effective. Uh, it's impossible to lie there in the bed and then complete this practice. Um, one is dear to know all non-human beings. This is, uh, you feel very often among animals, that if you, uh, they will come, they will not fear you at all. And they will come, the, the, the butterflies will come and land in your hand, as, as long as you maintain this attitude. So it's really something, I think, valuable. Another thing he said about the, the value of it was that, uh, that all worldly merit, that is to say, whatever, for example, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates have given to the world through their foundation, this is not one-sixteenth worth of the release of mind through this friendliness. Metta, Chetu, Vimutti. Not one-sixteenth. So even though one often think about friendliness or loving-kindness as something uh, that is uh, maybe romantic or idealistic, then it's a really big thing. 
is a really big thing because the Buddha himself said that it's, it is 16 times more worth than whatever you could give of worldly merit, even though you give a thousand hospitals or whatever to the poor, then this release of mindfulness is much more worth seen from a Buddhist perspective. Then I will go on to speak a little bit about compassion, uh, karuna. Uh, the effect of that, or the cause of that, he said, if one should immediately, uh, immediately be able to induce compassion to a being, this can also be towards beings who are the offenders, uh, can be soldiers, can be killers, can be somebody who is convicted of rape, or pedophiles, like for example, then, then, uh, it can be difficult to induce compassion in such situations. But then he recommended the following trick, and that is to see, to see and to notice uh, the being's helplessness. Why are all beings helpless? Because basically we are all, uh, we all catch 22 in samsara. We keep going in circles in samsara. And this is whether you're rich or poor, or whether you are good or bad, uh, ugly or beautiful, then are still catched in the same samsara. We still come back to rebirth, aging, sickness and death, which is basically dukkha, basically suffering. And we cannot break out. Now we are trying to break out here today. This is one of the methods. But in general, all beings are caught in the same situation. And then knowing that we are in the same boat, then uh, one can easily recognize this helplessness, because we have been here so many times, a billion times before. Uh, and we'll probably be here many times uh, again before we escape samsara. So noticing this aspect, one can induce this, this uh, compassion, this karana. The effect is that uh, one's tendency to cruelty evaporates. And uh, maybe we say we're not cruel, but uh, not helping others can also be cruel, for example. It doesn't mean only hurting people, but not giving them access to the Dhamma. In my, in my own case, I, I have many things. I often think, ah, this is cruel, not to, to give the Dhamma to everyone who needs it. So, um, he, he recommended the following situation. Imagine a, a robber at that time, at the Buddhist time, he said he's, he's been, his, his arms and legs, uh, or his hands uh, and feet and nose and ear has been cut off because he's been, he's been taken as a robber and then he has been brought to the king. Then he sits inside a room with maggots in his sores and with an empty pot in front of him, uh, ready to die, bleeding. Uh, and then one can say, ah, this, this being, he's been reduced to utter misery. And this picture of such a being, one can often induce uh, compassion for whatever being. Another example he used, ah, then there's this person who is uh, very rich and well-to-do, but they have not done any good, good doings whatsoever. So now he's hanging on a high situation, he has a very good life circumstances, but he's like a, an apple. A mature apple on a tree, he might fall any time. And because of lack of any good doing, then he can fall to any lower existences, animal, ghost, angry demon, or even hell. So also in this situation, with beings that are apparently in better life situation than oneself, one can still induce this compassion, this karuna. Uh, this one also do in, in all directions. Uh, and one tries to make it infinite. 
The next up is mutual joy, mudita, uh, rejoicing in other beings' success. And this I often think about in, in Denmark and in our contact with television or advertisement that is often uh, very common, by almost by reflex to say, when we are uh, exposed to beings that are in better situations than ourselves, either economically uh, or physically, for men it can typically be uh, seeing other males that are in a that have a bigger car or a better job uh, or bigger muscles. Or for females, it can typically be females that are younger or more beautiful, uh, have more curvature, and so on. So then we'll typically. Uh, in, react with this envy and jealousy, which is completely unfounded because these beings who have better circumstances, they have earned them up by their good karma and it's not by, by us to judge whether they deserve them or not. But if one can turn this around to saying, ah, how good, how sweet that these beings have this, uh, these good circumstances, instead of being envious, instead of being jealous, then one will uh, gain this effect uh, of contentment. And so uh, this, I think, is one of the Buddha's really good uh, efforts, is to see that the cause of contentment is this mudita, this mutual joy. And vice versa, one can say logically that if one is discontent, and, and many people are discontent despite being in material circumstances that are fairly good, then they are, without being able to explain to themselves, they are discontent. And then one usually can scratch the surface and then see that underneath is a tendency to react uh, to other beings with this jealousy and envy. And this will then will automatically, whatever circumstances there are, and otherwise this will cause discontent. So uh, the cause of contentment is this mutual joy. And this, I think, is really well seen by the Buddha. We should be very grateful for that. How does one uh, induce uh, mudita, mutual joy? Uh, the Buddha recommended that one thinks about one's boon companion. That is to say, a friend that you have had for a long time can be a childhood friend that uh, is in good circumstances and one person one will never envy. And if they, if one think about them, say ah, how good they are in these circumstances uh, and they, they will get these good circumstances in the future also, then one can transfer this to all other beings, one's boon companion. If one cannot find anybody else, then one can find the Buddha, use the Buddha as one's boon companion, because it's the Buddha that, uh, because of his friendship with the other, our, us beings, uh, sets us free from samsara. So, uh, not only, of course, will induction of this mudita, this mutual joy, rejoicing in other beings' success, really rejoicing. This will uh, induce contentment. It will also evaporate all envy and jealousy. And this is a very nice feeling to go around uh, among other beings and then rejoice in whatever circumstance they have uh, of, of good things, whether physically or emotionally. This one also does in uh, all ten directions uh, in the in the corners and in the intermediate directions and above as below. One scans in the entire spectrum and then try to make it infinite. The last one um, is upekka equanimity, which is uh, 
I think the 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 door out of samsara in many regards because it's neither sadness nor gladness, and this is a very peaceful state, which is one is aware of it is experienced as peace, but if one is unaware of it, unfortunately, it's experienced as boredom. Uh, this is one in an emotional response that doesn't either induce as uh, affection does a pleasant feeling does it doesn't induce greed nor does it as painful feeling induce opposition or hate so upekka equanimity this neutral feeling is a a tool one can use uh, to escape samsara it also prevent any greed and lust uh, and this is why the buddha put in here among the brahma viharas if one uh, cultivate the three other uh, tendencies or three other uh, emotions, namely friendliness, uh, mutual joy, and compassion, then once, because it's kind of like going with the world, then one's tendencies to greed and lust will arise slightly. But then he put into the mix also this upekka, uh, this equanimity, that makes one's mind uh, neutral and unaffectable, undisturbable, imperturbable. Uh, or for for external stimuli, and therefore also internal tendencies to greed and lust. How to uh, induce this uh, equanimity right there? This can be, for example, under provoking circumstances, or it can be under rewarding circumstances. Yeah, this is uh, this stanza that goes like this: All beings are born, created conditioned and shaped by their past karma, their owner, debtor, inheritor of the effects of their prior behavior, their karma. Whatever they do, good as bad, only they will experience the result thereof. So, uh, this means that, for example, when uh, some typical situations can be one feels offended by uh, other beings or circumstances, and then one feels, ah, this is not just, this is uh, not fair that I'm uh, being scolded or being diminished or whatever. Then one repeats this stance and then one say, ah, but maybe, maybe I cannot exclude that I, by my own karma, by my own behavior, has brought me in this, in this situation. And then one will be able to endure it. Uh, similar, if one is offended by other beings that come towards you with anger words, uh, then one notices again, ah, that's just all beings are created by, created by their karma, their owners by their karma. And since one cannot remember uh, one's past life, one cannot exclude that one has been offensive over for this very same individuality that is now is coming back towards oneself. And so this one will get an, uh, an ability to endure these uh, unjust situations. In this regard, it's worth noticing that the Buddha had uh, a, a cousin that tried to kill him several times. And, but he was, he was never angry of it because he could see he at that time has learned that he also actually had killed his, his, his cousin Devadatta in a former lifetime because they were in a, they should have an inheritance from their father, and then the Bodhisattva, at that time, he took Devadatta out into the forest and actually killed him. So he almost had the right to come and try to kill him at a later time point. And this one can use to say, ah, but the, it looks, it looks now, it looks unfair, it looks unjust, 
but maybe it's just a karmic response. Uh, so this means that if one opposes the offender, then one will create one more cycle of karma. But if one endures it, then one pays back one's karmic debt. And this, I think, is a, is a very good way of looking at it, because then one will not oppose the offender. And this is important. Another uh, way of using equanimity, Upekka, is to say, uh, in whatever circumstance it is, beautiful or ugly, uh, advantageous or detrimental, attractive or repulsive, then one can, uh, in all cases, say, ah, this is constructed, this is conditioned, uh, this is created, this is impermanent, this is passing, this state. But uh, there's another thing than this, this disturbance, this uh, small swirl of uh, future coming. There's this equanimity, which is peaceful. And then as the Buddha say, as soon as one direct redirects one's mind towards this peaceful state, this equanimity takes its stance. And then uh, you suddenly look at this very uh, emotionally provocative uh, life circumstances, and then they fall flat right there. They do not affect you, neither being attempting nor being one that is not repulsed by them. So equanimity is, in many cases, really the door out, if one remembers to induce it. And as I said, the way to induce it is remembering this law of karma, that all beings are born, created, conditioned by their karma. They are owner, debtor, and inheritor of their karma. Whatever they do, good as bad, only they will experience the future result thereof. And this goes, of course, both for oneself and for all other beings one is contacted by. On the further, further down the stream uh, of upekka, of equanimity, is an effect that's called jnana dasana, which is uh, knowing and seeing things as they really are. And this is really important. Uh, the Buddhists describe it, and this also one can feel during meditation, is like seeing things from above, see, looking down at things, instead of being involved and uh, around things, then one looks from above about these things. And then one can see more, uh, in a more neutral way, unaffected way, how they really are. That they really have these three universal characteristics, the tilakana, that they are impermanent, they are passing, there's not permanent states, whether internal or external. They are really therefore suffering, they are dukkha, they are bad states. And they are therefore no self. They are not me, not mine, not what I am. And this is important because if one sees these three universal characteristics in uh, all states, in internal states, in external states, in mental states, in physical states, then one immediately detaches from them. And then as soon as one is detached from these states, then one, one doesn't suffer from them. But as soon as one mistakes them for saying, Ah, this might be happiness, uh, this might be able to provide me lasting happiness, which is not the case. Uh, they might be permanent, uh, I might be able to trust them, they are a form of safety, or that they are mine, they are me, or mine, or what I am, or what I can be. Then uh, one is affected by them emotionally, and then it causes suffering. I think I'll stop there and then we can take some some uh, meditation.
Is there any questions to the four? Brahma Vihara. No? I don't know. Do you do you, do you do guided meditations or do you do uh, silent meditation? Lightly guided. Okay. May all beings to the front of us be happy, friendly, and meet only friendliness. beings to the right of us attain, gain, sustain and maintain friendliness, goodwill and goodness. May all beings on the 31 level of existence behind us, may they dwell and rest in gentle loving-kindness.
May all beings to the left of us into an infinitude of space develop and maintain infinite friendliness, infinite kindness, infinite goodwill. May all beings below us attain, gain, sustain and maintain infinite loving-kindness, infinite goodwill, infinite friendliness. May all beings above us, on all the thirty-one levels of existence, infinite in number, infinite in kind, attain, gain, sustain, and maintain infinite gentleness, infinite kindness, infinite friendliness, into an infinite future.
May all other beings in front of us rejoice in all other beings' success. Rejoice in all other beings' success. May all beings to the right of us attain, gain, sustain, and maintain infinite mutual joy, infinite rejoicing joy. May all beings at the 31 levels of existence, all sentient beings, infinite in number, develop and maintain mutually rejoicing joy, rejoicing in all other beings' success. May all beings to the left of us attain, gain, sustain and maintain infinite mutually rejoicing joy, rejoicing in all beings' success and well-being. How good, how sweet.
may all beings below us and ourselves as well rejoice in all beings success rejoice in all beings success May all beings above us, infinite in number, infinite in kind, into an infinite future, develop and maintain infinite mutually rejoicing joy, infinite mutually rejoicing joy. May all beings in front of us develop and maintain infinite compassion and empathy for all other beings. All beings in front of us. May all beings to the right of us develop, attain, gain, maintain and sustain infinite compassion, infinite empathy for all other beings, all beings to the right of us.
may all sentient beings behind us, ourselves included, develop and maintain infinite compassion, infinite empathy, infinite pity with all other beings. by seeing all beings' helplessness, helplessness, may we and all beings to the left attain and sustain infinite compassion, infinite compassion. May we and all beings below us, by giving up all cruelty, develop and maintain this infinite compassion, infinite empathy, by remembering that we are all trapped in samsara, realizing all beings' helplessness, may we and all beings above us develop and maintain this infinite helplessness, infinite compassion, infinite empathy, infinite compassion. <coughs> Finally, may all beings in front of us ourself included, be balanced, 
by imperturbable equanimity. Neither pain nor pleasure, neither gladness nor sadness, but just peace. Equanimity, upekka. May we and all beings to the right be stilled into even balance by this equanimity. Even balance. May we and all beings to the back remain undisturbed, stilled, silenced by this equanimity, this serenity, this balance. May we and all beings to the left, by developing this equanimity, remain undisturbed, imperturbable, in the ease of peace, undisturbed by equanimity.
may all beings below us, infinite in number, infinite in kind, into an infinite future, develop, attain, gain, sustain, and maintain this serene equanimity, this exquisite peace, serene equanimity, upekka. May we and all beings in this entire cosmos, above us, on all the 31 levels of existence, dwell and enjoy this serene, stilled, mental balance of equanimity, of peace. May it be even so.